I also want to make uh, just one more announcement, and that's in regards to, you already heard about the journey class, so we're, we typically do run, um, and we're going to run two equipped classes. One will be the journey class, that would be for those of you who are interested in membership, and the other is called um, Rhythms, Rediscovering the Means of Grace, okay? And that would really be for those who are already members, okay? And so two equipped classes, one when we say rhythms, what we're talking about, really, there are so many distractions in life, right? Like, we're, they're, it's everywhere. And we get distracted. What we, what we want to do when we say rediscovering the means of grace, we want to circle back around on the means of grace. What does that mean? Well, we want to develop a rhythm of men and women in the word, like a daily rhythm. We want a rhythm of prayer. We want a, we want a rhythm. We're going to talk about fasting one week. Um, we're going to talk about Sabbath one week. What do these rhythms look like, and how are those a means of grace into the regular rhythm of the Christian life? All right, so I want to invite you to that. Um, for both of those classes, there is... Um, child care available, and that's why we ask, we need you to sign up, and as you already heard, you can just go to the graphic on the website, click on it, and uh, sign up for us. Thanks so much for doing that. All right, well, this morning is Why Titus Part 2. If you'll remember, we started this series nine weeks ago with the title, Why Titus? Now, this morning, we will conclude our series in Titus with the title, Why Titus, all right? And I want to thank uh, Christian's not here this morning. He's in Bolivia, uh, and he's preaching right now as well, all right? So he gets to do so in his native tongue, finally. A couple times a year, he gets to do that. And so he's doing that this morning in Bolivia. Pray for the team that is there. They made it safely, Casa de Esperanza. And uh, I think we have a picture, dos uh, Christian and Dos Amigos, see, all right, so um, we, I just want to thank Christian, because we've been preaching through, t- through Titus, um, it was his idea, and that's what I love, I like to mention those things, that when we're preaching, we do so as a team, it was his idea to take us to Titus, and I hope to be making comments about that as we go, as far as like strategy, as to why we've done Titus, why Titus? Well, during this series, we've really had the microscope out, all right, through Titus. Sometimes we've covered a verse or two a week. Sometimes we've narrowed in, zeroed in on a word. Um, And sometimes when you're doing that in a preaching series, you can be so zoomed in that you don't gain the big picture of what's going on in the letter. And we need the big picture in this incredibly critical, important letter for us as a church here at Trinity. So this morning, well, my introduction is going to be a little bit long, so hang in here because I need to set some things up. This morning, I have a pastoral joy and a pastoral burden or concern, okay? So pastoral joy, pastoral concern. The joy and the concern are both rooted in the same thing. And I hope you hear these comments. Are not coming out of a heart of fear, um, but a heart 
well, a pastoral heart, I believe. We are very, very blessed here at Trinity. What a joy. What a concern. We are healthy as a church. There's no great difficulties bearing down on us as a church. We do more missions than we've ever done as a church in our history. We have, we have given, we are giving more to missions than we've ever given. We're, we're a little less than $6 short this year to $15,000 so far this year. That's, that's, it's amazing. So if you want to give $5 and about 48 cents, we'll be at 15000 at the end of the day. Uh, it's just amazing where we're at just mid-year. Uh, we asked a couple weeks ago for some used drills so Christian could take those and leave those in Casa de Esperanza. I think he asked for, if I could get two or three used drills, we got 11 brand new ones. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a, it's amazing. We are blessed. We worship weekly. We have a gifted team that gathers here um, before 8 a.m., but early. While you're getting ready for church, they're already here working hard. We, we, we're so blessed we were able to say to Justin, can you take a break? Can you take an extended break and just rest? And we want you here for the long haul. And so thank you for taking a break, Justin. Um, and we're, so we're, we're blessed like that, but we're also blessed with Sydney, who's able to step in and say, okay, I can fill that gap, and Mason will be leading us next week, and that'll be exciting, and just fun to see, you know, other guys stepping up and filling that role. We're blessed. We're so blessed. We have six community groups. We pray to add more. We know we need more, but we're blessed with those community groups. We have ladies studying their, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm really not tearing up, it's just, <clears throat> we have ladies studying their Bibles. We are blessed. We have equipped classes that we're offering. We are, those are opportunities to grow. We announced a couple months ago, Love Inc., and we really kind of even struggling. How do we announce that and trying to wrap our heads around just communicating? What is that? I don't think the week I announced it, I did a very good job. I don't know if you understood what is Love Inc., and yet we said, if you're interested, please come to a meeting, and people come to a meeting. We're blessed. We have an elder team. I don't pastor alone. That is such a blessing. <clears throat> we have a security team. We have a tech team. We have a greeting team. We have a building that's paid for. We have an amazing children's ministry. We are 50 volunteers strong. We do need a few more. Please, please help us out. It helps make a lighter load. Um, you saw last week that we've got a new curriculum coming. It's amazing. We're so blessed. We are blessed. We're healthy. What a joy. And so why in the world would I say I'm concerned? Well, because with health comes apathy. And we take things for granted. And a church settles in. We're nearly 27 years old. 27 years ago when we started this church, we didn't know if we would make it another week. We were desperate. We were crying out to God, help, we need you. Today we're stable. So praise God for that. And Lord, help us because of that. Do you hear me? 
where we're headed here. Praise God for all he's done, and Lord, help us because this bit of health can create apathy in our hearts and laziness in our serving, dispassion in our worship, lethargy in our relationships, sloppiness in our walk with God. Thus the series, thus the kind of equipped classes that we're offering. You see, pride finds a home in the midst of blessing. And it's not new. It's as old as the sand underneath the Israelites' feet. It's not new. And a sloppy grace creeps in where there is blessing. And awe of God is replaced with a religious activity. And we don't need God's help anymore. Look at all the things we're getting done. So said the church that continued to exist and yet slowly died on the vine. So hear my joy. Thank you, God, we're blessed. Hear my concern. Lord, help us. In that, I'm not calling us to less joy. Actually, I believe the longer we are a church, the longer you and I are followers of Christ, let there be more joy, not less joy. Let there be more concentrated, meditative, responsive, worshipful joy. And so I'm calling on us, church, to not allow our souls to settle in, but be stirred for the glory of God. And so I'm glad, I'm glad for where we are. I'm concerned. I'm concerned for our future. And I think both are appropriate. So today we conclude our series in Titus. But to what end do we conclude today? What are the specific benefits that you have gained, that we have gained as a church from this little letter? Or another way to put it, why Titus part two? Why Titus part two? And in doing this sermon, I'm gonna try to do an overview telescope view of Titus, and I do hope to preach those last verses that we have not gotten to yet. So let's pause and pray. Lord, would you help us? Would you help us? Lord, we want to say, Lord, thank you. We're a blessed church. Lord, we can say, oh, there's, there's a degree, there's a level of health here. There's, there's hearts that want to give. There's hearts that want to serve. And yet, Lord, concern. Lord, help us not to settle. Stir our hearts, Lord, for your glory. Stir our hearts and do so even this morning as, as we preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to make three points here to close out our series in Titus. And um, I hope you brought a lunch. It's already feeling long to me, all right? So uh, if you're new, I hope you brought a lunch. Um, maybe the regulars new to bring lunch. I don't know, but... Here's point number one, the great need in the church then and now. There's a great need. One of the primary themes of this letter, Titus, is teaching. If you sat down, and I recommend you do this, and just read the letter and just notate how many times Paul's referencing the need for teaching or the need for sound doctrine or the need to rebuke those who are false teachers, right? And so there's this theme page and a half, very small letter, but that theme of teaching comes through so clearly 
there's this great need in the church then and now, and that need is teaching. Chapter 2, verse 1, for instance. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Chapter 1, verse 9, as he, as he addresses what's the qualifications of the elder, he says, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he might be able to give instruction, that he might be able to teach in sound doctrine. In the section uh, in chapter 2 where he's addressing the older women, what? They're to teach the younger women what is good. So Titus as a letter is a teaching that there would be teaching, all right? So Paul is teaching Titus that there is to be teaching in the church, and that teaching really holds the line, if you will, in the battle against that which is false teaching. How do we, how do we battle false teaching? Well, we teach truth. We teach the word. Titus 1.10, for there are many who are insubordinate, Empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. These are the teachers of legalism. Paul's, and Paul's teaching to them is that, to, to Titus and to us, is that they are to be silenced. Why? Why silence them? Well, because false teaching, here, this is profound, is false. Okay? All right? You can quote me on that. All right? It's really good. It falsely represents God. It falsely represents, it offers a false gospel. It's not some like uh, morally neutral thing. This is, this is severe. It poisons the body of Christ. It hinders um, godly growth, whereas sound doctrine builds the people of God. And so we need teaching. That's the theme of Titus. And so I want to encourage you. I know we already made the announcements. This is not more announcement. I just want to encourage you to take advantage of the teaching here at Trinity. So take advantage of the journey class, the rhythms class. Take advantage of these Bible studies for ladies. Take advantage, um, you young people, teenagers of Resolve. Take advantage if you're 18 to 38, right? Take advantage of these times and others as well because Titus is showing us that teaching is a great need in the church. And I do want to thank you, church. Thank you for being here. Sometimes um, after Sundays, individuals just say, thank you, Tim. Thanks for preaching the truth. Thank you for preaching the word. And my response is, thanks for being here. Because it's just not, I remember preaching during COVID and nobody was in those seats. Maybe like six people. We had a couple sound guys, right? And it's weird and it's hard. Thank you, for being here, I believe one of the reasons you're here is for the teaching of the Word of God, and that's part of your worship, our worship. So thank you for being here. So there's a great need in the church then and now, and it's teaching. Number two, there's a great thing that we teach, all right? There's a great need that there would be teaching. Number two, there's a great thing, there's a content of what we teach, okay? The great need is that there'd be teaching, but that's not that there would be any old teaching. The great thing that we teach is sound doctrine. And that, again, is in the text. Read through the letter again. Um, it is, when we say sound doctrine, what are we talking about? We're talking about the doctrines of God, who God is. That's what, we're, that's what we're drilling down on. We want truth 
sound truth about God. That's the thing that we teach so that we're not simply providing information. We want God by his Holy Spirit through the teaching to provide transformation. Worlds of difference. Pastor Mike Bullmore says this. Why all this emphasis on doctrine? Can't we just love Jesus together? And the answer to that question is actually no. We can't just love Jesus. We've got to believe some things about Jesus if we're going to love the right Jesus. That's sound doctrine. That's a sound doctrine comment. You've got to believe that he is God. You've got to believe that he lived a sinless life. You've got to believe he died a sinless life and redeemed you. You've got to believe that he rose from the grave. You've got to believe that you need to be saved by him and only him. Yes, love him, but love him. <laughs> love the real Jesus. Paul to Titus says it like this, verse 1, chapter 1. Paul, servant of God and apostle of Christ Jesus, for, why is he writing? For the sake of the elect, the sake of faith, uh, butchered that. For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, sound doctrine, which accords with godliness. It lines up with godliness in hope of eternal life. Remember when we preached this? We said, why Titus? Well, it God, it's a God-centered letter. And we were saying, okay, for eternity future grace. That's this right here. Eternity future. In hope of eternal life. That's where we're at. We're in hope of eternal life. That grace, that future grace. Which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. That's the eternity past. He promised before the ages began. And at the proper time, that's the now, manifested in his word through the preaching with which I've been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. Again, chapter 1, verse 9. I'm going to repeat some of these scriptures. It's deliberate. To the elder, he says he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in what? In sound doctrine. So I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid of doctrine. Doctrine's not the scary, scary guy that we need to run from. Doctrine is simply a theology. It's a theology of God. It's the study of God. Who here, who, isn't, who, who is a believer, would say, I don't really want to study God, the theology of God. That would be concerning, right? And the reality is, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, everybody in the room is a theologian. You are a theologian. You are a studier of God. The atheist is a theologian. The question becomes not whether or not we will be theologians. The question is whether or not we will be Bible theologians. If our theology will come from the truth of this book. Why this book? Well, because this is the book where God reveals himself. We're not looking for man's opinions. We're looking to God who preserved this book throughout time that you might have it in your lap that you might then know him. Praise be to God for the Bible.
We're hardwired for theology. The child who asks, where did God come from? What's he doing? She doing? She's doing theology. That's, theolo- that's a theological question. And so what is the great thing that we teach? Well, at the core, we teach God. We teach who God is, who is his character, and what has he done? Who is God? What has he done? John Piper writes about Jonathan Edwards, and he says this. Good preaching aims to stir up holy affections. Things like hate for sin, delight in God, hope in his promises, gratitude for his mercy, desire for holiness, tender compassion. Or Paul to Titus says it like this. Christian preached this verse last week, these verses. Verse 3 through 6, chapter 3. Here's what we preach. Here's what we teach. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That was our condition prior to Christ. If you're a Christian this morning, there was a day you ought to be able to say, I I remember that. I can crawl into that right there. Foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, and on and on. And then what? Christian last week, he pointed us to that one word, that glorious word throughout Scripture. But, but, hear it, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. That's the gospel. That's why we're here this morning. This is what we celebrate. And so when when Paul says to Titus, let there be sound doctrine, he's talking about a content. And it's the content, this this is it. This This is the cliff notes. Sorry, I just aged myself. Yeah, that's that's the short version. You were once this, but now you're this. Why? How'd that happen? Because he saved us. You didn't save yourself. You're not able to save yourself. God came by his grace. He saved us. He tells us even how, not because of works done by us in righteousness, not by our works, not by our efforts. This is not what saves us. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Remember Christian last week, he took us to the Trinity. It's right there in those verses. Whom he poured out on us richly. How rich? I mean richly. He is poured out on us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so point one, there is a need for teaching. Point two, there's a specific content of teaching. What do we teach? We teach verses three through six. We teach the gospel. That's what's going on there. And so he has already in chapter two said to the older man, to the older woman, to the younger man, to the younger woman, to the slave. I'm going to go ahead and add to it to the community group leader, to the children's ministry teacher, to the elder, to mom, to dad. What's the content of your teaching. Teaching is needed. Let it be, let your core curriculum in your living room be the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Let it be that which transforms and sets our eyes on our amazing God. Ted Tripp talks about dazzle the children with God, the glories of God, the grandeur of God, the majesty of God. This life is not long enough for us to exhaust our theology. As a church, as a mom, a dad, as older men, older women, as children's ministry workers, let that teaching come with passion because of who we're talking about and what he's done. So you might be here and you might be wondering, but what is the gospel? Well, God is holy. Man is sinful. Began in the garden. And when man sinned, he was separated from God. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Why is he on the cross? That we might put our faith in him. We can repent of our sins and trust in him. And in that, he takes our sins on himself so that you might be once again made right before God and separated no more, brought into right relationship with God. So number one, there's a great need for teaching. And number two, there's a great thing that we teach, and it's the gospel. And number three, there's a great transformation that that gospel teaching brings. See, when we say transformation, we're not talking about God kind of just sanding off the rough edges here or there a little bit. Um, we're talking about utter, complete transformation. We're talking about darkness to light transformation. We're talking about death to life transformation. So what do we do with Titus? What do we do moving next week towards Psalms? We begin Psalms next week. Psalms of presence is what we're after starting next week. Well, I'm going to invite you to drip with me. All right? It's an acronym. Uh, it begins with D, devoted to. We're to be devoted to something. And Titus speaks to that. Look at verse 8, chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy. And I want you... <clears throat> To insist on these things. Oof, that sounds strong. It is strong. It means you are to be consistently, um, persuasively, strongly insisting. So that, why are we to insist? So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But what about the gospel? Prior, we talked about the gospel in the verses just before this. Now, he goes from the gospel to works. Well, that's exactly right. He's got his order right here because it's out of the gospel that we're moved to good works. And we are called to be devoted to good works. 
Again, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and with their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. There's, there's a number of times through this book, this little, little letter, where he's calling us to works. Not the kind of works that save you, the kind of works that are a worship, worshipful response to having been saved. Should we be devoted to good works? Well, I guess it depends on how big our gospel is. We have a very big gospel. You were once this, 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 and this, and now you are this, this, and this, because not because of your good works, but because of Christ's good works that he performed on your behalf. What is our response? It's a worshipful response. It's not a dutiful response. It's a glorious delight that we get to be devoted to good works, to the praise of his name. And so in the coming weeks, hear me, Psalm series, then we're going to go on to what we were kind of informally calling Journey 2.0. I'll spend more time on that another week. In the coming weeks, we're going to be calling you. When I say we as elders, as a team, our discussions, we're going to be calling you to devote yourself. And we do so out of the message of grace, the great thing that we teach, out of the message of grace. But you know, sometimes we can emphasize grace to the exclusion of devote yourself to good works. All right, hear me. Are you aware that you and I are to be devoted to good works? Devoted to them. As an elder team, we're to insist on them. Ooh, <laughs> that's awkward, right? Like, like that's awkward. That, that, we are to be so consumed with a Bible gospel response to what has been given to us that we devote ourselves to good works. Now, don't confuse that with legalism. There's a world's apart. World's apart, and yet we get it confused in our, in our minds. Legalism, grace-driven devotion, two different things. Legalism, I'm going to do these works to in some way manipulate God to gain his favor. Legalism. These are the things that I do in some transactional way with God, it really has more in common with karma than it does with godliness. I do these things to in some way manipulate God to gain his favor. Now I'm blessed because what? The different things that I've done. Versus devote yourself as a response to the grace that's already been given and provided for you. One says, Praise be to me, look what I'm doing. The other says, praise be to God, what he's accomplished on my behalf. And so don't confuse, but as elders, we want to insist on these things. It does mean strong. It means persistent. So if you're here and you're considering membership at Trinity and you're wondering what kind of church is this and it's not really your desire to serve or to give or to participate relationally, if you're just here to play church and just attend, then let me just try to kindly say there's other churches for you. Trinity's not the place for you. We're not here to do a religious thing. 
I sure made it quiet in here. We're here for God. We're here for God. Primarily, God. Secondarily, others. Thirdly, like way down here on the carpet, ourselves. Now, that's so not American church. American church is, we're here for me. It's called consumerism. (laughs) It works great for grocery stores. It's not so good for church. We don't come here primarily for ourselves. It really is the great commandment. It's love the Lord your God, love others. And when we get those things confused, wow, things like this really get misplaced in our minds. Devoted to good works. We're not here for a religious thing. Now, let me say this. Some of you are here and you're exploring. You're exploring Trinity. You're exploring Christianity. You're welcome here. We're not insisting on anything. We just want to say to you, thank you for being here. Explore with us. Take your time. You should have questions. Please feel free. Those kinds of things. That's not what I'm speaking to. It's when we get to the point where we say, this is my church. This is my home. All right. Really, there should be an elder response. We have some things to insist on. Oof. So we're to be devoted to good works. Not to earn anything, but to respond to what we've been given. Verse 3, verse 8, again. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. He goes on, verse 9, but avoid foolish controversy. So here's the, here's the contrast. Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with it. that's Paul's way of saying, this isn't the church for you. (laughs) Isn't that what he's saying? See, the reason why we have such a consumer mentality in our churches today is because pastors, my profession, are just seeking to fill the chairs. At times, things need to be said that empties the chairs. So we might do business with God. So we can be arguing about worthless things. You know, it's just religious games. That's what he's describing. Some like to just argue. It's one thing to ask questions with a desire to grow and to learn and to understand and maybe even agree to disagree on secondary things. It's another thing to just take the opposing position. Doesn't matter what it is. I'm just going to take the opposing position. And there's this rebelliousness in that that just wants to play the rebel. That needs to be repented of. If you just love to argue, if you think that's your spiritual gift, arguing, and you can win the argument, you're good at it, and you're just here to win the argument but lose the friend, oh, we're missing something. Paul's saying unprofitable, worthless, it doesn't produce godliness. So he says, D, devote yourself to good works. R, relational. So here how he ends the letter. Verse 12. When I sent Artemis or Tychicus, 
to you. Do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. Thanks, Paul. For I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn, here he goes again, to devote themselves to good works. So as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. You know, if we, if we believe, as we should, all scripture is profitable, we should be asking the question, what do I gain from this? <laughs> these, these conclusions of Paul's letters. I think what we can grasp from his conclusions, this one and others, is that the life of the Christian is absolutely relational. It is so relational. This is not Paul just dropping names. I know a guy. Now these are these are brothers to Paul. These these are men that he's in relationship. He's in co-workers with. He's going to send two of them to Titus because he's saying, "Come visit me." Like there's a value to that for Paul. I'm sending probably sends the letter through these two guys. They arrive. Titus is going to pack his bags and leave. I don't remember. It's months of a journey. Like this is not like oh, Trinity, I'll be back next week. You know, Christian's going to be gone for two Sundays. We'll see him in three. Now, this is, this is, I'm gone for a while. Why? Because the Christian life is so inescapably relational. He doesn't want to just send a letter He also wants Titus to make a trip. And I do want to thank you, church. Been able to do some of that. Been able to preach in India and our brothers and sisters in Netherlands and four or five churches in Colombia. We'll be back in Colombia later this year, gathering all the Colombia Grace Partnership pastors together. And all I can say is it's just different. Our brother, friend, a lot of you know Juan Hernandez was was in town a couple months ago. I'm driving to Orlando. Hey, you're in Orlando. I'm going to come see you face to face. You guys remember Loon? He's in Vietnam. Well, he's recently here. So found out. Loon's here. He reached out to me like, you got time? We can meet. We can meet in Orlando. All right. We got I got to meet with Loon. There's something of that here. There's something of that in all of us here. The letter is relational. The book, the whole book is relational. And as an elder team, we're convinced that we must build relationally. And we know we have weaknesses in relationships and the process of community groups. We know that. But we're going to continue to work and to build relationships as a priority at Trinity. So I want to ask you, are you in a community group? If not, why not? We want to do life together. Are you making an effort to build with your brothers and sisters? You might be here and you say, well, I'm not really a big fan of community groups or I'm shy. I really don't like that it's not more of this or more of that. And me too. 
And while the Bible doesn't say thou shalt do community groups, it's very clear thou shalt do relationships. And the vehicle that we've provided for Trinity is community groups. So I want to ask you, are you in the car? Are you in the car that we're providing for relationships to function? And even as, as Christian was talking last week, this is how care gets done. It's through the community groups. Man, I sure have preached us into quietness. Are you in the car? Get in the car. That's what we're driving. We're driving community groups. D, be devoted. R, relationships. I, intentional worship. This is where we're going. I want to bridge us right now from this series in Titus to our psalm series. Psalms of presence is what we're calling it. It'll be six weeks of six different psalms where we're going to explore our lives and the presence of the Lord in the life of the believer. I can't wait. Love these psalms. We're talking things like Psalm 27, 63, 184. Like these are psalms, whether you realize what those psalms are or not, you've been singing them. You've been singing them. If you've been a Christian for, I could say, for a long time. You remember the day when you were singing as a deer? <laughs> yeah, that one? Yeah. yeah that's what we're going to preach. Longs for the water brooks. So my soul longs for you. I include the word intentional not to just fit the acrostic, but because worship can be so unintentional. And over these weeks, I want to be calling us, as elders, we want to be calling us to an intentional time of worship because worship, now I am speaking of the singing portion of our service where we can just be so unengaged. We can be physically in the room. We can be physically present, and yet we can be unmoved. Um, we can be singing words with our lips and just not considering the glories of what we sing. Lord, help us. I don't want it to be lost on us. This series in Titus is a treasure, grow, proclaim series. We've never mentioned that. We've never pointed it out. If you're new, we, we like to say this, Trinity Community Church exists to treasure Christ, grow in Christ, and proclaim Christ. Treasure, worship. Grow, sanctification. Proclaim, evangelism, mission. All right, that's why we exist. That's the book of Titus. Go back and reread it. As he talks about adorning the word of God. Tell me that's not treasure. Mm. Don't have time. Okay, so sound doctrine in the singing worship time of our service is to land upon us and land in our hearts and not simply land here, but land in our homes. Because sound doctrine isn't an end of itself. Doctrine brings us to the building. I'm talking about here. It brings us to the building. It puts us in our seats. The music starts and a theology of grace begins. And that's why hands go in the air. And that's why hands begin to clap. 
Because praise be to God, this theology of grace resounds in the sinner who's been saved by grace, and it's got to have an outlet to respond. Because the object of the great teaching, that need, and that content is God himself. It's the person of God. It's, it's doctrine's ultimate object is God. It's the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So you remember in the first sermon, sermon on why Titus? I said, so Titus is going to be our launching pad. Do you remember that? Anybody? Just pretend. Pretend that you remember that. It's our launching pad into what's coming. It's our launching pad into Psalms. It's our launching pad into the series after that. But here's the thing. You live on the space coast. Once the rocket launches, where do you look? You don't look at the launch pad. You look at the stars. You look at the galaxies. Oh my goodness, you guys, a lot of you work in that. That's what Titus is doing. It's launching us into glories of who God is and that this infinite, awesome God is intimately personal. You have his presence within you. So, Lord, stir our hearts for intentional worship. God, help us. So we begin that series next week. You might be on vacation. Please be sure. Just stay current with the sermons. Then we'll go to another series, Trinity Community Church, Doctrine, Distinctives, Direction. More on that in weeks to come. Because doctrine is not the end all. Because devotion to good works is not the end all. Because relationships with each other is not the end all. All of doctrine, transformation, devotion to good works and relationships with each other are to bring us before our God. That's the point in all of that. It's the presence of the Lord. It's worship. It's treasure Christ. So that doctrine information isn't the end. Worship is. Let me jump down to the end. P, pray. So drip with me. Be devoted to. Why Titus? Be devoted to relational, intentional worship. Will you pray? I want to call us to prayer during our psalm series. Six weeks in psalms, six weeks of prayer. Maybe some of you could host people in, the, in your home. Just invite people over. Let's just pray together. Pray for Trinity. Pray for Sundays. I just ask you, would you pray on your way here? As a family, someone just in the car ride. Hey, can we just stop? Can we just pray a minute? Saturday nights, would you pray? Would you join us at 9.15 Sunday mornings? Pray with others. Had a great time this morning. What a great time. I don't know what I would do without that in just preparing my heart for the worship of God. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me. Would you drip with me over these next weeks for the glory of God? Would you drip? Let's stand together. Father, would you, from your mercy and your kindness that we've read about and heard about, your goodness that has saved us, brought us to regeneration through your blood, what you've accomplished. Lord, we just want to pause. Before we run out the door, we want to spend some time with you. Just 
hands in the air saying, praise be to my God, what mercy I have received. Lord, may there be, why Titus? That our hands would go in the air and say, praise be to my God. Lord, would you help us? For the glory of your name. So church, I want to invite us. I asked Sydney, lead us in two songs this morning. Here's here's what we're doing. We're concluding Titus, but think of these two songs. We're we're starting psalms right now. Consider the words of these songs, and let's just, for a few brief moments, undistracted, worship our God.